Welcome again to Our Street. Kurt Elder here talking to myself, Lynn Fisher. And we really appreciate our listeners supporting uh, KZOM in general, but we'd really appreciate it if you would show your support by either calling the studio. This is pre-recorded, so you can call the studio anytime at 402-474-5086 and, and uh, make a financial uh, support uh, payment and uh, mention Our Street. Or you can go to our website, kzum.org, and uh, there's a button there to click to uh, make make a, uh, a donation and then mention Our Street as well. We would really appreciate it. Yeah, no, uh, I don't know about you, Lynn, but I listen to KZUM pretty darn frequently. And so I know that there's been calls for you know, giving and it's part of the campaign, but just wanted to throw it out there for our listeners as well that this is our... Uh, this drive is in conjunction with Give the Lincoln Day. And as you give to us and KZUM, whatever percentage, excuse me, whatever total of the percentage that is given to Give the Lincoln during that day, there's a matching pot of funds. So let's say that KZUM gets 5% of all donations. Well, we get 5% of that matching donation. So if you if you have the ability to give five, 10 more dollars, that money will be matched at a percentage um, by the community as a whole through our generous, you know, partnerships and and and, and there's just people out there that that just have helped with this pile of money. So this is the time to give if you're still yeah. able to and inclined to. And there's also, as as always, I mean, traditionally there are premiums for different levels of giving, and I know eighty eighty nine dollars and thirty cents is one level. Uh, I think there's uh, there's some more. I. I know that um, I think it's a two, $250 level is another one, so or maybe it's 200 So Kurt and I aren't in the uh, studio, so I apologize. But the bottom line is we really would appreciate your support, your financial support, so please do that. So Kurt, sure. Kurt you want to uh, you want to talk about the election? Yeah, so, that's, you know, you know, we are, you know, no, uh, no, faithful listeners know that we try our best to get a a balanced uh, candidates for those races that 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 we can get to. There's just some races, and that just has so many you know, uh, uh, you know uh, people running for office, and especially within the city election where the turnaround is just so fast that we didn't get to cover all the races. But of those that we did, we presented you no know, each candidate that made it to that final ballot. And Lynn, I mean great for our community that there are people wanting to run that's fantastic it kind of stinks for us some days though <laughs> but uh but but on the whole um we had a couple uh races that you know from the top topping mayoral race going down to the city council races uh as we know that the uh, mayor uh, uh was re-elected and the council remained a six to one uh uh split of those who are democratic or lean democratic uh versus those who are uh republican or lean republican um but from the marriage race you know i people had asked me what i thought the tea leaves were going to be and i thought that you know you know i thought it was going to be you know a two to three point spread um towards the end um with with the mayor uh, pulling it off and the initial numbers from what was that Tuesday night you know, showed the spread to be you no know, nine to ten something like that. 
but you know, uh, Susan Geist finished with what uh, a, a, a narrower spread than that. So, you know, I wasn't too far off, but I, I yeah. Well, I know. Uh, you know, I just read in the paper. I think it was yesterday, the day before, about the the money spent on this particular race, and it was pretty oh, amazing. Tell me more. Yeah. I did well, not was, read that. Yeah, it was uh, it was the, the the largest amount of money ever spent for a mayoral race in Lincoln. And I think both sides had roughly a million bucks or more uh, that they spent. So it was a, a lot of money put in. And uh, yeah, I think one take that I, uh, you know, one thing I take away from from the result is that I I hope it's a a, a kind of a a, a a tell of things to come that hopefully negative advertising is not going to be a big part of future races. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. I'm sure it is on my part, but you know, no, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think it helps really to, to have an informed decision. No, it doesn't either. Uh, I think, I think it's a really good takeaway. I think that a lot of people were affected by that. Um, another takeaway from this, uh, as someone who's run campaigns in the past and, and done them from a data driven perspective, that for my experience and how I've managed campaigns is that so, so, we have a list of everyone that's registered, registered to vote. And that when you request an absentee ballot, we know who you are. We send you mailings and postcards, party mail. So then you get the ballot and all that, you know, propaganda with it. Propaganda mean, meant in a very neutral term. So you get all the information with that ballot so you can make that choice. Um, but what we would then do is that we would no longer send you all that extra mail. We would no longer send you you know, all the other material, have people come to your door knocking on your door. Once you've requested your ballot and returned your ballot, you've, we would no longer um, engage you. I wonder if more people would vote early, just avoid all that junk mail too. Good Lord, how much junk mail? Well, you're outside the city limits, but I, yeah, I yeah. but I know that you- Oh, well, we still get our fair share. Yeah. I'm sure you get your fair share, but you know, it's just, just so much stuff and you know, Towards the you know waning week or so, but it was just it was just obscene. It was like, are you kidding me? This is just all going to the dump. When we well, when recycling. we uh, Kurt, when we interview candidates, one of the you know the standard questions that we ask is, you know, when you're out there knocking door to door, you know, what are people telling you? And uh, you can confirm this, but I I believe that most of the candidates are only knocking on the doors of those registered voters on their party side right right depends on really which which party you're in so and then if it's whether it's the primary or it's you know just you know just the big one um so you know if you're running against a so if you have two democrats running against each other they're going to focus on those likely voters that are democrats you won't really get a right. lot of crossover because you just need to get the votes out when it comes to a general election uh both campaigns um both parties, um, they have every voter and there's a ranking scale on to how they lead. Very conservative da, 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 to the middle, to very uh, um, uh, uh, democratic on the other side. Um, but then there's also this this likelihood of you going to go vote and they base that off of however they wanted to define it. So it might be like, how many of the last possible city elections could you vote or did you vote in? So if you really vote and something's there, uh, then they'll just focus on any more. And then there's a third so, tier. The, the, then the third tier is that if you ever get asked a campaign question like like a survey in the mail, don't fill those things out. 
these are my issues I care about because it's since your name as your address and there's a barcode. They then take all those answers and they put it into a database. So then they know what to talk to you about. They know how to push your buttons. Don't fill that stuff out. Get yeah. educated yourself. Listen to us, right, Lynn? We ask yeah. good questions. We help you stay engaged and we won't use your private answers uh, in potential ways to you know, twist your feelings or so, inform your feelings yeah. on the air quoting. So each of the, each of the parties have a database and that database is, consists of the public record from the the voter right um, vote the election office as well as <clears throat> data or information gathered by surveys right uh surveys uh that um so 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 at, so at the national level i'm sure you've gotten these i know my my grandmother used to get them they'd be from i had both grandmas both on both sides and they both get the same survey now what are your thoughts on these issues these topics right. you know yes no right. da, da, da. there's your name and there's a, and there's a barcode on it when you send it in it just goes into a scantron right and then that so we have your name with all your answers both parties do it yeah yeah interesting yeah so there's so the candidates can concentrate on the demographic you know, groups of people right. that, that they think are going to be more likely to be receptive. and Right. And, and if they have enough resources, they can then go in and create, you know, specific, let's say there's a question B. What do you feel about question B from very low to very high? Well, let's say that, you know, it's the party is something that they care about, something that's like the middle to the high. So they'll grab all those out and they'll tell and they'll write a story just for that subpopulation. Because they have enough money, they can then write a story for those others yeah. as long. And yeah. so filling out those surveys, I mean, you know, it gives you a chance just to vent, but I, I just don't think it's a good use of. Well, I wonder, I, I'd be curious to next time we interview candidates to ask and find out, you know, are they knocking Party? on knocking on most of the doors? Are they following their guidelines and sure. only targeting certain places? Because it would be, it would be probably a pretty tough job to go out and try to knock on every door in a district. Oh, it's so tough. Yeah. So just two other thoughts on this is that, you know, um, I've, I've talked with other strategists and, and they would say that if someone's registered within a certain party, there's a 90% chance that they're going to vote for that party. That's just... No, yeah. no, that's just what they're going to default to for whatever reason. But when you have those independents and you have those other side pieces, you can really dig into the numbers, the facets, and just, and just get to you know a better messaging that, that helps you you know find that right spread to help you get elected. Um, it's not it's not rocket scientists, right? I mean, when you used to be in this, uh, um, uh, vehicle sales, right? Yeah, you would create the same uh, targeted marketing approach if you had a. Uh, a, a if you had a data set to help you, you know, well, find sure. that market, right? No, this, no, this I'm not, I, no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I just no, no, yeah. It's, so the it, so so the independent registered independents then are the ones probably that are more likely to have some effect on a on a campaign. If a candidate can go out there and find those people and talk right. to them and convince them to vote one way or the other, if they're not registered as a Republican right. or Democrat, they probably right. spend a lot of time concentrating on those folks sure so yeah but you know those registered independents also have a rating scale on them from both parties so who knows um it's it's for that reason whenever you know a, a candidate calls me like you know have you voted yet and even if i've voted i'm like yes yeah do you know what you I, I, I just stay so big i just yeah. i just i just want to be left alone to read and learn and ask good questions. Also, the last point of this, um, anytime you sign like a petition 
initiative. Uh, let's say it's for marijuana or for you know concealed carry or for you know you have to sign for your boating. All that information gets put into a database too, so then they know how to write you on that as well. So there, there's a lot of information gathered on uh, people. So it's probably amazing between those kinds of things and and I suppose that uh, some of the big uh, internet organizations maybe are, are selling information about people to the parties. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, uh, so, so a lot of your information is, uh, so they would call it like a tapestry. So, uh, this, the entire nation is broken down into different geographies from, from the nation, the States, the counties, the tracks to block groups, to blocks, uh, tapestry, uh, designations are at the block group. And a block group is roughly two to three thousand people. But it was, but it looks at spinning habits, patterns, things like that, and it says these kind of people live here. So then it helps you to write better targeted messages just for those. Or even on a very, yeah, even on a very small scale. And we yeah. were way off topic of what do you think about the local election? Um, but you know, just even small scale of like running the campaign is like, hey, I know there's people in this neighborhood. I'm going to hold an event in this park. And so even if they don't come to my event, they'll recognize their park and they'll, then they'll connect me with their park yeah. and maybe yeah. they'll be able to vote for me. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we're, we're going to take our mid midpoint uh, break here in the show. And just a reminder that uh, we are uh, in the middle of our fundraising campaign for KZUM and our street. So go to KZUM.org or call 402-474-5086. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Our Street. Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder today. And we're uh, we're in the middle of our fundraising campaign for KZUM, 45 years old now. So yeah. we want to ask, ask our listeners to support Our Street and support KZUM and all the uh, great work that that the all the volunteer programmers here do on the station. So you can go to KZUM.org asks or mention our street as you make your uh, donation or you can call in uh, 402-474-5086 and uh, make a donation someone will answer the phone and help you out there and mention our street we really appreciate that we sure so, will. Kurt, we were talking in the first half we talked about uh, the election results here locally and talked about uh, statistics and data and all that so um was there were there any surprises that you uh Anything surprise you about the election? I, uh, you know, I. The race I was watching the most would have been James Michaels and Tyler Wyatt's race, since James's district is the one that augmented the most during the last redistricting. Um, his district moved a lot more towards the east into some new developments out there. Um, I just didn't know anything about how those areas have voted in the past, so I was kind of curious to see what that spread would have been. When he when he and Taylor uh, ran four years ago, uh, James pulled it out by you no know, three to five percent. I think that spread might have grown this time. So I was kind of surprised at that. Um, uh, it was a uh, it was a uh, contested race, and they both tried their best. So thank you for guys for running. Well, I think it, about I, you, Lynn? I think yeah, I think that's a, a good example of where an incumbent has the advantage. And uh, so I think yeah. I think I think James Michael really had had a, the edge there even if there was a change in the uh, in the district oh sure yeah how about you was there any in your race that you thought was interesting i, I know that we had in, in, interviewed both uh bailey and uh, uh tom um tom yeah on, on our show and there at one point you know 
Bailey was a little ahead, a little little less ahead, but then you know, day of voting came in and Tom came out. Yeah, well, I think I, that that wasn't really a surprise, and I think the way that the Same vote here. count goes, you get the early voters, you know, that come in first. So I think they tend to lean to the to the Democrat side, and then uh, and then the Republicans like to vote day of the election, you know. So so that's not surprising, really. So no, I don't think I was surprised at all. Uh, yeah. I think I think the mayor's race I thought would have been closer. I was yeah. surprised that it wasn't closer. Uh, so so how, how about that? I know it's been commented before. What surprised me more so was that, you know, oftentimes down ballot, you know, positions just don't get the same amount of love and attention that the that the header gets. Um, so whereas we've had a uh, a uh, uh, democratic uh, Democrat mayor, we had two. Uh, airport authority members that were Republican and you know I don't know about you Lynn but when I read bios I just go with who I think is going to do the best job and I don't really care a lot about party titles within this context sure. especially with an airport authority uh, yeah. I just want you to do a good job and, and we should have some experience and uh, I thought it was great though you know one outcome happened one way and another happened uh, with down ballot of all places too yeah yeah so you know I, yeah. No, it's uh, uh, I am uh, I am I'm glad that we're out of silly season, which is election time. <laughs> we can talk about a few extra fun things and, and then you know just uh try to find some summer programming that's going to be of interest to our uh, yeah. listeners. And and, and, well, and based on that, go ahead, Lynn. Well, one of the things you and I emailed on t- earlier today was there's a, a public hearing coming up on on uh, uh, multi multiple resident, um, you know, housing for people that are in some kind of an addiction or, or uh, uh, mental health uh, situation in their life. And I know so that there's these places around town that have, that have been opened that are there to serve uh, multiple people right. that are beyond the, the limit that the city allows of three unrelated people in a, in a house. Right. So there's right. a public hearing coming up in, in uh, June, I believe, on that. Yeah, it, it's the uh, subject of that email was collaborative living schedule. There you go. Yeah, there we go. And so that's, you know, I think that's what was sent out to, to some facets. There was an email sent out to neighborhood leaders and representatives, and the planning department is looking, is looking to do a text text change. And I know that some of the neighborhoods have been having um, Zoom meetings, and they've been, you know, positioning themselves. So it should be a really interesting hearing, so... Well, and so we have to decide if we want to do an interview of someone who attends that or we should do something ahead of time for maybe one of the uh, leaders of that. We'll have to decide and, and come up with something. Yeah, I think it'd be a good idea. Uh, and, and also trying to find things just to share about and just promote on our show as well as within our Facebook page a couple of weeks ago. Um, I uh, had promoted out a, uh, a, I had shared a survey that the city is uh, doing. It's a survey to then, uh, this survey is titled, it's, it's the city of Lincoln's analysis of impediments to fair housing and access to opportunity. It's largely the same survey that they did uh, back in 2017 for, for that five year update. And so, uh, so far they have gotten enough responses to have a, uh, 
a data set that is of quality of the same level that the census uses at the census tract level. That's a that's information that we use a lot. So um, the survey was set to close today, but they're going to go ahead and keep that open until the end of the month as part of their public comment period. So if you haven't taken the survey, you want to check it out, uh, you can go to facebook.com slash ourstreetkzom. And it's probably going to be the pen post there at the very top. So just go ahead and check it out. Check it out. Uh, it's a little hefty. Um, it'll take anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, depending on how you answer those questions. But, um, you know, the city has a limited number of uh, federal dollars. And this uh, survey just really helps the city um, uh, prioritize to what intensity and where or, or um, even what ideas should be worked on within that planning process period. Uh, this process has been going on ever since the city's had uh, federal funds. And so, so for all of you uh, longtime neighborhood advocates, this is old hat. For you new people that want to be engaged, this is a great way to get involved. Can you, can you kind of tell uh, our listeners about the types of things that this, the, the funds that are involved here, where do they go? Sure. Yeah. So, so the funds that we have, uh, we, we, the, the city has three kinds of main entitlement funds. We have community development block grants, which is CBBG. Um, we have home and home is an acronym by itself, but the home funds really go towards, uh, construction of uh, housing. Then we have emergency solution grants or ESG. And that's really towards, um, efforts to help with our, um, uh, homeless solutions. So really, um, so in the past, uh, you can go onto our website, uh, lincolnna.gov slash urban. You can then look at our mandated reports and see all the projects and goals that we have. We each year, we do about 40 different projects that, that touch on different facets of those needs that have been identified through community conversations, focus groups, other studies, surveys like this, things such as food security, to community engagement, to barrier removal to fair housing, um, a wide number of ranges. And so um, yeah, your survey results just help right size our response and we and, and as we move forward. But as far as the survey itself, um, if I just nerd out for a quick second, um, sure. there's, there's, there's a few questions in there um, that I really think are really important. <clears throat> so those questions would be, uh, for example, um, um, what are those facets that you look for in a place to live and how important are they to you? For example, is the grocery store, tree canopy, parks, access to trails, retail? We ask, you know, what makes your neighborhood, what are those things that you're looking for in a neighborhood? Um, and then the next question after that would then be, how hard is it to actually get those things in your neighborhood right now? And it's just interesting to see, you know, just what people value in when they when when they choose a neighborhood. You know, we ask everything just from that list I gave you to also things like noise, noise from neighbors, um, things like that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, all their results will be posted out in uh, cross tabs or uh, just on our website. There will be no uh, personal. I so if you fill it out, nothing will be given out that that that. I would say that no, no, no. Kurt or Lynn did this. There's just no yeah. way to do that. Um, but yeah, it's just a really uh, comprehensive set of questions. I'm sure that you know other people want to ask more questions, but the reason we ask these questions is that five years ago, uh, the City of Omaha and Lincoln 
made a choice to do a similar survey so we could compare answers across the state. Now, as places like Grand Island, who also get CDBG funds, and places like Bellevue, who also get CDBG funds, they have to go through this similar process. So if we can have a common set of questions across different places, we can have a more rich conversation at the state level, too. You know, Kurt, you're a stats guy, and I'm sure you've studied all this in in your uh, education. But statistically, when you're looking at data that comes from people who are willing and able to do surveys, you're leaving out, what, 98% of the people? I just, I'm just curious as to what kinds of, what kind of uh, biases you, you can, has it been studied, you know, that here, there, these are the, the, the results oh, yeah. of this survey, and it's only based on 2% of the people. So aren't there kind of biases that people oh. who are willing to do surveys have? Sure. So, so, so when we think of biases of who's going to take a survey, sometimes we either go to two ends of the spectrum. One that's just, you know, of lesser means, they have nothing else to do, so they're going to take a survey. Or the other side of it is that, you know, you have means and time, and you know the importance of it, so you're going to, you're going to get those people. And there's this thought of, so maybe there's a valley or a peak somewhere in the middle, right? There's just, there is no way that you can fully get a full comprehensive uh, listing of perceptions. Uh, five years ago when the city did this survey, they got about 900 responses, which is a really good survey. Um, um, I, I'd be thrilled if we got to that level uh, uh, this year. I don't think we're going to get there, but we, we but we will have enough to get us a good sample size for a track level data set. Yeah. Uh, but still to your broad question, exactly. Um, uh, we have seen this play out in like different national surveys um but but at the national level the number of surveys you need you know there's you know what 350 million people and for a national survey you only need like 1500 surveys and it's just nuts but whereas here at lincoln you know we're a city of three and a thousand people and if we can if we can get 250 that's a much statistically speaking it is a good random sample of the population and really and, and that's and that's just the key random sample random oh. well and and but i i guess I, my the point i'm making is that it really isn't random because there are people that are willing to do surveys and i think that there's probably oh, yeah. characteristics of those people that are biased and skewed off of the off the norm or the average however you want to say it there's an old movie uh if you've never seen it i'll see if i can find it, and get it <laughs> to you. There's, there's an old 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 movie uh black and white so that's how old it is about a um a company, a survey company, who discovers a town in the U.S. that is average. Everybody, you know, the, everything about it is average. So they have targeted that town for for using as a as a survey point to predict things. And, and, <laughs> That's and, great. And, the, and and these two people go to town, and they're supposed to be secret about it. Well, the the word gets out, and sure. of course. You can imagine all the uh, uh, hilarity about everything changes now. You know, people find out that they're <laughs> that they're so important, and they, they 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 it completely messes up the whole the whole deal. They're no longer average because they're, <laughs> now they're all they're trying to be, you know, they're trying to make yeah uh, make out like they're they're something they're not. But anyway, oh, sure. it's just a, it's a funny old comedy. I'll see if I can find it and give it to you. Please do. Well, I think I think Kurt that we've kind of reached the end of our time here. 
Sure. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I would just say that whether you go to facebook.com slash R Street KZM to take a look at the survey or just read up on some of our prior uh, shows or just going there to leave us a message about what kind of content you want to hear. We're always engaged just to, yeah. we always want to hear from you and we, uh, we would really appreciate your donation as we're in this give the link in the season. It's really important to us. Yeah. We enjoy doing this. Um, but we only do it because we have KZM to do it at. And, we, and because we have our listeners' support. So go Thank to KZUM.org, go to KZUM.org, or call 402-474-5086 and make a donation for our street. We appreciate it. So for Kurt Elder, this is Lynn Fisher saying thanks for spending another 30 minutes with us here, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.